Today from the Global Lane, the global food crisis worsens. A look at children at risk in one tiny Mideast country. This uh, war in Ukraine has added fuel to the fire or insult to injury for Lebanon. Skyrocketing inflation. Is the pandemic or Putin responsible? Steve Forbes blames U.S. government officials. They trash the dollar, they hurt production, and prices go up. And the Shanghai lockdown effect on the USA. Shutting down a whole city, the most uh, sophisticated, largest city in China. Uh, very foolish, but they did it. What that means is, is that uh, price increases uh, are going to be continuing to be with us. And the passing to glory of CBN co-founder and matriarch Didi Robertson. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. War in Ukraine is causing a new global crisis. Russia and Ukraine produce about 14% of the world's wheat supply. With many Ukrainian farmers either fleeing for their lives or joining the fight, few are at home planting crops. Already the world's most vulnerable, children, are at risk. One example, the United Nations reports half of the children in the Middle Eastern nation of Lebanon need humanitarian help. Even if they can find what they need, 77% of Lebanese do not have enough money to buy food. Here to explain more about this growing crisis is Camille Melki, the CEO of the Christian humanitarian relief organization, Heart for Lebanon. Camille, it's always good to talk with you. So as if the pressures of hosting one and a half million Syrian refugees is not enough, now the people of Lebanon are facing this new crisis. So please tell us from your vantage point in Beirut, uh, how bad is it and why? Yes, Gary, thank you for having me. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, war in Ukraine uh, has added, as they say, uh, fuel to the fire or uh, insult to injury for Lebanon. Of course, we don't want to take anything away from the humanitarian crisis that's happening in Ukraine. Our heart breaks and aches for the people who are losing their loved ones, for all the destruction there. But uh, we have to also remember Lebanon has been suffering tremendously uh, in the last three years, at least, uh, and terrible economic downfall that has uh, caused our Lebanese currency to lose 97% of its value. Lebanon counts on 87% of its grain uh, and wheat from Ukraine. Um, after the port of Beirut explosion on August 4, 2020, which totally destroyed the, the grain silos uh, in Lebanon, We've been living off on a one-month supply. And now when you have a war like you do in Ukraine, it's becoming very, very hard to get uh, wheat, to get any oil, cooking oil. Prices in Lebanon are skyrocketing, uh, 10 times, 12 times more what they were a few months ago. Can you share any specific examples of a family you've met, one that's in crisis? Definitely, we at Heart for Lebanon have recently added 1,800 1, Lebanese families to our monthly food parcel distribution. Uh, we go on almost every day hearing stories of individuals like a lieutenant in the Lebanese army. Uh, his salary uh, in U.S. dollar uh, value was around $2,500. That's, that's a decent salary for uh, a couple to uh, live 
at, at, at a fair, good, relaxed living. Today's, uh, his salary is worth $85. He cannot even provide for his family. A lieutenant in the army now is driving a taxi in the evenings and in the afternoons to bring uh, milk for, the, for his newborn baby. We need to be reminded uh, that the body of Christ has two arms, has the arm of loving and caring on people with sharing the gospel, the uh, message of peace that we find in Christ, but also showing his love in tangible and meaningful ways. Uh, a lot of people are asking questions, uh, predominantly uh, from Muslim and Kurdish backgrounds, asking why do we care? Why would a Christian organization lend help to people who uh, in their eyes would be considered enemies coming in and sharing uh, the love of Christ with them in a genuine manner? We don't give anything conditionally. We don't uh, intend to trade the food for the gospel, but in fact, we, wanna, we want them to know that we bring that in the name of Jesus Christ. A lot are asking questions, and who is Christ? And you would see our Bible studies are, are packed full, our worship gatherings on Sunday morning are packed full, our Kurdish uh, church is, is blossoming, a lot of people are coming to Christ because they are experiencing His love through His people. Okay, Camille Melki, CEO of Heart for Lebanon, thank you and may God continue to bless your efforts. Here on the home front, as the March inflation rate jumps to 8.5%, Americans pay more for just about everything. The price of gasoline is up 48%. New vehicles, 12.5%. Used car and truck prices are up 35.3%. And prices for food, they're up 8.5%. So why are we paying more? In many cases, a lot more. Well, joining us to provide some answers is the chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media, Steve Forbes. He ran for president in 1996 and 2000. You may remember him as an advocate for the flat tax, but he's really about much more than that. Mr. Forbes has just finished writing a new book, along with Nathan Lewis and Elizabeth Ames, Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Thank you, Steve. It's so good to see you again. You write in your book... Price increases are only the symptoms, not the cause of inflation. So what's the cause, especially now as war rages in Ukraine? Initially, President Biden said the cause was coming out of the pandemic. Now he seems to blame Vladimir Putin and the war. So who or what do you feel is to blame? Well, there are two kinds of inflation, uh, what you might call non-monetary inflation and monetary inflation. The non-monetary kind is when you get a war or a drought or the lockdown such as we had during the COVID-19 crisis, uh, that uh, disrupts production, that sends up prices. The other kind, the more uh, dangerous kind over time, is when the governments undermine the value of the currency, in this case, the dollar, making it worth less by printing too many of them. Cash-strapped governments have been known to do that for thousands of years, and that's what we're experiencing today. They trash the dollar, they hurt production, and prices go up. And that's one reason why we wrote the book, is to strip away uh, the mystery about inflation, uh, make it uh, very readable to uh, people so they understand what's going on and what we can do about it. 
You monitor markets and supplies, and China may be easing its COVID lockdown in Shanghai a bit. That city has the largest port in the world, and I guess the port remains open, but people have been shut in for three weeks now, and that's affected manufacturing there. How has that affected the global supply chain and inflation here in the U.S.? Do you expect prices of many consumer products to jump even uh, more so due to lack of availability? Well, what, mean, what that means is, is that uh, price uh, increases are going to be continuing to be with us. And uh, that's, again, the non-monetary kind of inflation, this kind of uh, artificial disruption, uh, shutting down a whole city, the most uh, sophisticated largest city in China. Uh, very foolish, but they did it, and that hurts. And those kinds of things, that monetary kind of inflation guy, is something that if governments just leave the economy alone, we will, people will work it out, get around it. It's the monetary kind where the Fed creates too much money. That's what we have to focus on now. And unfortunately, and this uh, may we get ahead of ourselves, unfortunately, the Fed believes that the way to control inflation is not by stabilizing the value of the dollar, but by creating more unemployment, slowing the economy down. That's what, they're, what they mean when they say soft landing. What they really mean is more unemployment, and all, too often it leads to a crash landing for the economy. So let's look at the inflationary effect on just one specific here, housing. Let's say 15 years ago, Steve, someone bought a home for $300,000. Today, they sell it for $600,000. Now, many people would be thrilled by that profit, but you suggest in your book they may fail to realize reality here. What's the money illusion that you talk about? Well, the money illusion is that that $300,000 profit you thought you had in real terms is not there because of the declining value of the dollar, uh, what was worth a dollar uh, a year of uh, 15, 20 years ago, may be worth what, 40 or 50 cents today. So you think you have a, I've doubled my money. No, you've just stayed in place. You haven't gone forward. And so uh, you end up often with these assets, especially stocks pay a capital gains on something that is illusory, really not there. So remember, a dollar 20 years ago, worth much more than a dollar today. And over the past 50 years, the dollar has lost 90% of its value, sometimes a lot like the 1970s or in recent times. But when you do one, two, 3% a year, it accumulates. So you end up losing and you don't understand why you can't seem to get ahead, why your wages, they seem to go up, but they, you really can't move ahead. It's very, very acidic. It, it undermines social trust and leads to social unrest because people don't know what is happening to them when the government devalues the dollar. And I know today many people are looking to cryptocurrency to help them get some quick profits and a little bit of inflationary relief, but I know you're skeptical because of crypto's instability. You say it currently functions as more of a payment system rather than an actual currency. So do you expect that to change? Explain. Well, in term, there are two kinds of a cryptocurrencies. One is, of course, a Bitcoin which has had a huge run, even though they've had some ups and downs. And the other kind is called stablecoin. Uh, stablecoin cryptocurrencies are tied to a specific asset like gold or the dollar. So you don't get the kind of fluctuations. And so Bitcoin, you would never take a mortgage out in Bitcoin. Let's say you took a $250,000 mortgage out in Bitcoin, you may have uh, a year later owing to two and a half million. And so that kind of instability doesn't make it work for as a, as a currency. But I see the time coming, and we discuss this in the book, is that uh, stable coins could eventually be a uh, competitor 
to government money like the dollar or the pound or the yen or the euro, uh, people use these uh, stable coins rather than the untrustworthy money that comes from government. And that's a big battle coming. President Biden ascribes to the idea of modern monetary theory, which was advanced by economist Stephanie Kelton. So what is it? Why is it bad policy? Well, modern monetary theory is simply a costume for the old practice of devaluing the money. You know, in Roman times, they would uh, take a coin, silver or gold coin, and put a lot of bad uh, metals in it, cheap metals, devalue money that way. In modern times, you print up a lot of money and uh, devalue it that way. So modern monetary theory says you can devalue the dollar, you can print as many dollars as you like, spend as much as you like without consequences. As we explain in the book, there are some unusual factors in 2008 crisis where uh, the Federal Reserve did expand the money supply, but most of it was used for banks to replenish their battered balance sheets. But now they think that, gee, we can continue to print money with no consequences. Just look at Venezuela today, look at Germany in the early 1920s, and you can see the consequences of what that would lead to. You're already starting to see the consequences now. If you think prices are bad now, wait until a year, year and a half, when the, when you, when the Federal Reserve follows through on printing a lot more money then you're going to really hurt at the pump and at the marketplace. Okay, stay where you are. Up next, we'll look at ways we can fix the inflation problem for the long term and where Steve Forbes thinks you should invest your money in this uncertain time. More now on inflation, how and why it's harming American families with Forbes media chairman and editor-in-chief Steve Forbes. His new book is Inflation. What it is, why it's bad, how to fix it. Steve, for 180 years, the value of the dollar had been tied to gold. But you say Richard Nixon ended that with his price controls and Nixon shock when he eliminated the Bretton Woods monetary policy. Now, some of us, I know, remember Nixon implementing price controls. And what effect did that and removing the U.S. from the gold standard have on our economy today? And how can we get back to it without causing too many disruptions in the economy? Well, as you mentioned, for 180 years, we mostly had a gold standard. It worked. Uh, having a stable money is essential, stable value, and it's a critical reason why, during that period of time, the U.S. experienced the greatest growth, economic growth in human history because of that stable money. Britain had done it before when they stabilized their money to gold. All gold is is like a measuring rod. It doesn't restrict the money supply. If you have a booming economy, the money supply increases. All gold guarantees is that the value of the dollar doesn't change. You know, we don't change the number of ounces in a pound or the number of minutes in an hour or the number of inches in a foot. The same should be true of money. Now, for a variety of reasons, bad economic thinking, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard after 180 years of success in the early 1970s. And since then, the average growth rate of the United States has fell by more than one-third, from a little over 4% to about a little over 25 2 2.75%. That doesn't sound like very much. But over a 50-year period, what that has meant is that household incomes today are about $68,000. If we'd maintained the kind of growth we had for 180 years under the gold standard, that average household income would be $100,000 to $110,000. Imagine instead of having 60,000, you had 100 or $110,000, how much better life would be. That's the price over time when you have an unstable money, unanchored 
to gold. It, over time, it is devastating. Now, there was also an energy crisis in the early to mid-70s as the cost of oil quadrupled. Many politicians blame the Arab oil embargo. You say it was more of a currency crisis that happened after Nixon devalued the dollar. So how about this That's current? Right. How about the current jump in oil and gasoline prices? Is this another money illusion? Are the high prices temporary or here to stay? Uh, well, it's uh, partly it is a money illusion. Going back to the 70s, oil went from uh, during that terrible inflation from three dollars a barrel to almost forty dollars a barrel. Then in the early 2000s, when we started to undermine the dollar again, which led to the crisis in 2008 and that terrible housing bust, oil went from $25 to over $100 a barrel, then went back a little bit. Now it's starting to move up again. Part of it is because of restraints that we've unnecessarily put on our output of oil and natural gas. Really dumb thing to do, and we're paying a price at the pump for it. But also it's uh, the monetary illusion. And so uh, that's, the, that's what's so in, uh, hideous about inflation. You think the dollar is stable, and you don't understand why it just doesn't buy as much as it used to. And governments always, and you hit on this point, governments always blame somebody else. In Roman times, they blame Christians. Medieval times, they blame witches. You mentioned Richard Nixon blamed the Arabs. Uh, today, the Biden administration blames greedy oil company executives, blame, blames greedy meat companies and chicken companies. Everyone but themselves, they're the ones to blame, not we the people. And there's a lot of uncertainty globally right now with the Ukraine war, a potential Iran nuclear deal, China possibly preparing to move on Taiwan. So how should people respond, Steve? What's the best investment strategy right now? Gold, commodities, real estate stocks, where should people put their money? We discuss this in the, in the book, and the thing to keep in mind is there is no simple remedy. Gold is not an investment. Gold is like an insurance policy for bad behavior by our governments and central bankers. So you should have some gold in your portfolio. In terms of real estate, you got to do your homework. There's certain parts of the country, for example, like New York or San Francisco, there's been overbuilding of commercial real estate. So you want to stay away from that. And uh, But uh, forest lands could uh, be that way. We list some uh, ETFs that you might consider. And then you also, and this is what makes it so difficult, when it looks like the government is finally going to do something about inflation, like we did in the early 1980s, suddenly those investments that did well when the dollar was losing value suddenly become very bad investments. I mentioned the collapse in the price of oil. You saw it in farmland and other commo and, and, and commodities. And for younger people, I'd give them this advice. For their retirement funds, and you should have, no matter what your age is, a 401k, an IRA, whatever it is you can do, keep putting most of the money into the stock market. Not all of it. You should have a cash reserve. You should have some gold. But keep most of it in the stock market because America, and I know this sounds Pollyannish, but America always comes back. So if you're young, you can ride through the storm, just as people did in the 70s, just as people did uh, in other periods. Ride it through, and you're going to do just fine. And I can't let you go without asking you, flat tax? You still believe in that? <laughs> I believe it in more than ever, as we now have literally millions of uh, words in the federal corrupt federal income tax code that nobody understands. The IRS is hopeless today. They barely answer the phone if you call with a question 20% of the time, and most of the time they give you the wrong answer because it's so complicated. The only way to cure that, Gary, is just throw the whole thing out. I used to say bury the code, 
but the EPA probably wouldn't allow that since it's so toxic. So just throw it out and uh, just start all over again, single rate, you know, under a flat tax, for example, a family of four, their first $52,800 of salary would be free of federal income tax. That's what happens when you get rid of all the junk in the code, but they still keep junking up. Go to a simple flat tax, go to doing what we did for 180 years, fix the dollar to gold, and by golly, you'd see this country boom like it's never done before. It's so simple, what a concept. Okay, Forbes Media yes. CEO, <laughs> Editor-in-Chief Steve Forbes. The new book is Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Thank you, Steve, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Good to see you again. Good to be with you, thank you. It's both a time of mourning here at CBN and a time of rejoicing, celebrating the life of Dee Dee Robertson, wife of our founder and chairman, Pat Robertson. She passed this week at the age of 94. Dee Dee Robertson was also a founder of CBN. Without her, the Christian Broadcasting Network would not be reaching millions of people daily around the world. She was an extraordinary woman, and although in more recent years she was a quiet presence on the CBN campus, her influence is seen everywhere. Dee Dee oversaw the design and decor of most of the buildings here, including Regent University and the Founders Inn. She was a woman of compassion who often offered me grace, especially when I needed it most as a young, up-and-coming CBN News reporter. While Pat Robertson is the visionary and soul of this ministry, Dee Dee was the heart. Gordon Robertson said she was the glue that kept her family and the CBN ministry together. I also saw her as a compass, often pointing us in the right direction, always to the Lord and His desires for this ministry and for us as individuals. Working for the Lord is an exciting thing to do following his leading and, and doing the things that he wants you to do. Amen. There's no better life. We love you, Dee Dee. We'll miss you. We thank God for your life and your example. Yes, your legacy and work will live on. But life here at CBN won't be the same without you. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channel, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.